a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, starting with chapter 4, verse 23. And he went all throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Have mercy. Here we go. Um, we're looking this morning at the Beatitude in Matthew 5 about blessed are the merciful. Uh, I remember uh, many years ago watching William Macy. You know him as, a, as an actor in a lot of different movies and uh, TV shows. Amazing guy. And he, uh, <clears throat> he was talking about how we need stories. He said to people as he's receiving his award for his acting, saying, bring us stories, bring us stories, uh, because I love to tell stories. When we think about mercy and what it means for you and me and what it means to live in the light of God's mercy, we need stories. And so let me encourage you, if you haven't discovered this book yet, or if you have, to go back and just read the introduction to the book. <clears throat> Actually, you can go on online and you know on Amazon you can read the first part of you read the first part of the book basically but it's a book by David Brooks called Second Mountain People people who are second mountain people uh, David Brooks is a columnist for the New York Times he's been there for a number of years he's one of those guys I read all the time and have really enjoyed uh, reading his insights into culture and to politics and I just love the way he writes, I love the way he thinks. And as I've followed him over the years, I thought this guy, although he's raised Jewish, is close to the kingdom of God. His insights, his instincts are such that I can see that God is drawing him uh, to himself. And so sure enough, as a little sidebar here real quick, David Brooks over the years has had a number of people who love Jesus, talk to him about Jesus, and David Brooks is now a follower of Jesus. 
I remember hearing him talk one time. He said, you know, I've been around all these Christians. And he says, I have 360 copies of Mere Christianity. <laughs> you know, that people would always mail it, send it, say, God, I got a whole library of Mere Christianity. But in the book, Second Mountain, uh, Brooks is studying people who have lived the first part of their life ambitious. Let me uh, read to you how he describes First Mountain people. They are ambitious, strategic, and independent. They're about establishing their reputation. He says, First Mountain people are all about reputation management. What have I done? What have I accomplished? Here are my degrees. Here's who I am. I want you to know who I am. Second Mountain people are relational, intimate, and relentless. He says that First Mountain people are always keeping score and Second Mountain people are consumed. One of the things that God wants for all of us is to be consumed by his mercy. In Acts, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Micah 6, verse 8, God says, I want you to learn what it means to love mercy. You know, we can, you know, I do a lot of marriage counseling, and I can tell when people love each other, and there's kindness there, but when it really gets exciting is when people are in love with each other. And that's a big difference. Couples learn how to live together, coexist together, um, make life work, their strategies work. They, they're doing pretty well, but the spark is not there. The passion is there, not there. And you wonder, how do you help them recapture or begin to understand what does it mean to be in love be in love with each other. The illustration would be the same for our relationship with God. Many of you are here this morning because if I ask you afterwards over an apple cider donut and say, do you love God? You'd say, pastor, I, I got this one. Yes, <laughs> you know, I got it. But if I said, are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? You might hem and haw, you might hesitate. You know it's a question that is very probing and puts you right on the spot. But it's intentional because God desires for us to be in love with his son, Jesus. I love him, but I am in love with him. And to be in love with Jesus is to be consumed by mercy because he is mercy. You're consumed by it. So as we've been studying the Beatitudes, we see the pattern is the same. Jesus is inaugurating the kingdom of God, um, giving the law in a different way than Moses did because he starts off with blessed, uh, which is a proclamation. He gives a path which fills in. Here's how you understand God's great joy for you and in you. So in this context, the proclamation is again blessed. The path is merciful. Blessed are the merciful. And the promise is you will receive mercy. Now you see there's a reciprocal relationship between being merciful and receiving mercy. So if we're doing Bible study together, the question could be, and I'll send this question out, is who gives you mercy back? How do you receive mercy back? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, again, this is incredibly good news. Do you need some good news this morning? If you will allow yourself to enter into God's mercy and show kindness to other people the way God intended for mercy to work, 
God says, I will fill you up with my mercy. It even gets better than that. In Isaiah 30, 18, you can go look it up later. God says, for those who wait upon me and trust me, I will exalt myself in their story through mercy. I will thrill you. I will engage you. I will lift you up. I will fill you up with the consuming reality of my kindness and love for you. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Um, God wants to bless you with mercy. So if you risk doing a little bit of mercy, give a little bit to somebody in your uh, life right now, a roommate, a parent, a friend, a coworker, and rather than just going through the motions and doing the polite thing, but you'll really engage them with eye contact and the desire to know what's really, how are you really doing? What's really going on? Um, what is it like to look ahead to the holidays, uh, given the fact that I know uh, that your brother died recently? What's, what's it gonna be like this year? See, that engagement of questions says, I, I wanna enter into what your life is really like Jesus says, if you do that, look out, because here's coming the tsunami. Here's coming the just amazing avalanche, waterfall of the wave of mercy upon mercy upon mercy into your life. God exalts himself in our stories by showing mercy uh, initially, and then as we give it away, he shows up again and fills our cups with his mercy. So uh, let's talk, though, for a second about why mercy is so hard. To, it's slippery. Why is it hard to get around? Uh, because when we think about grace, grace deals with the guilt of our sin, and it reinstates us to who we really are. Mercy reminds us of not only who we are, but God's commitment to be in our story. And it's the idea about intimacy with God. It means, what does it mean to be in love with Jesus? It means because... I've received a loud experience from him, a deep sense of his presence, his care, his healing, his joy for me. But here's, here's where a lot of us get tripped up and here's where can we talk. Can we go unplugged here for a few minutes and let me share with you what's so important, which is so easy to miss, and I missed it for a long time in my journey of following Jesus, is there's the guilt of my sin, there's my need for confession, but my need for healing from my sin, which surrounds the word shame. Um, have you thought about, have you worked through how shame has shaped who you are? This is such an important question because mercy answers that, if you'll let mercy answer it. But here's how shame works. It's one thing if I could say, uh, to one of you and say, you know, you've really got a problem with being on time. You know, every Sunday I see you show up late, you know. <laughs> I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just saying an illustration, okay. You're always late, you know. Uh, you know, I can say that in a way that's very shamey, but you have a problem with being on time. Can I help you with maybe getting here a little bit earlier? Or if I say, you are a sluggard, you are a lazy bum, you know. And I just, I just lay it on to you. But here's how you know 
Here's the real stinger and shame, and it, you might do this in your family, and if you do, repent. Uh, <clears throat> but if you say it to yourself, because again, for most of you, your worst enemy is yourself. Your internal critic jumps all over yourself when you fail and you make mistakes, and it will sound like this, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why do you keep doing the same things over and over and over again versus you have a problem, you have a need. Shame strips away our dignity, our value, our worth. And this is why we need mercy in the church and in our communities and all around us because broken people everywhere are paralyzed by their guilt, but they are devastated by their sense of shame which could look like I feel incurably hopeless or because of what's been done to me and what I've done as a result of that or what I've done and the consequences of what I'm going through, I feel totally decimated, devastated by who I am and what I've become. It gets back to, and I've had this happen, uh, said to me more than once, where people say, you know, I look great, I come across great, I, I'm doing a lot of good stuff, but why do we eternally, I feel like such a phony. I feel like such a fraud. Shame. <laughs> so how does mercy answer shame? Uh, if uh, you haven't discovered the music of the Avett Brothers, let me encourage you, this is going to be a good way again to get into this conversation. Uh, but I want to take you to this illustration of some marriage counseling from years ago. I got this panic call from this husband, and uh, he was just devastated because he and his wife had had a really terrible fight. Uh, he had walked out to the car and started the car up, and he was getting ready to drive away just in anger, like he all, he'd run away from fights and conflict with his wife. He's going to drive off, and out to the car comes the wife, and she takes off her engagement ring, she takes her wedding ring, and she sits it on the hood of the car, and she walks away. And he's describing to me, Clyde, can I tell you what it felt like to watch my, those wedding bands, just, you know, like that. And uh, so as we begin to talk, and he began to try and understand why was he such such a snake with his wife. Why was he always acting so mean when she needed empathy? He was hard on her. So what, what was going on there? So my friend is walking through downtown Winston-Salem and he hears this band playing um, and, uh, and he's drawn to the music. It's kind of, if you ever heard the Avett Brothers, they're actually doing this is before they got super famous. Uh, he could hear the music. It's kind of like a rockabilly, sort of a country. You know, it's, it's hard to describe it, but when you hear it, you, most of you will know right away what it is. But they have a song called Shame. So go home and on your uh, music thing, listen to these lyrics, uh, the two brothers who write this. And they're writing about a broken relationship with a woman. So, okay, so I was wrong about my reasons for us falling out of love I want to fall back in. My life is different now, I swear. I don't know, I, I know now what it means to care about somebody other than myself. I know the things I said to you, they were untender and untrue. 
I'd like to see those things undo. So if you can find it in your heart to give a man a second start, I promise things won't end the same. Shame, boatloads of shame. Day after day, more of the same. Blame, blame. Please lift it off. Please take it off. Please make it stop. Okay, so I've read the mail, the stories people often tell about us that we never knew, but their existence will float away, and just like every word they say, and we will hold hands as they fade. Shame, boatloads of shame. Day after day, more of the same. Blame, please lift it off. Please take it off. Please make it stop. I felt so sure of everything, my love to you so well received, and I just strutted round your town knowing I didn't let you down. The truth be known, the truth be known, the truth be told, my heart was always fairly cold. Posing to be as warm as yours, my way of getting in your world, but now I'm out and I've had time to look around and think and seek into another world that's filled with guilt and overwhelming Shame, boatloads of shame. Day after day, more of the same. Blame, please lift it off. Please take it off. Please make it stop. And everyone, they have a heart. And when they break and fall apart and need somebody's helping hand, I used to say, just let them fall. It wouldn't bother me at all. I couldn't help them. Now I can. Um, my friend heard this song, and it's part of the redeeming of his marriage, his story. But do you see how God, in his sovereign mercy, put my friend in a place where he heard this song on shame, and it cut right to the core of his struggle. You know, listen to, you know, it's just these lines in here are so good. Um, basically, my life is different now, I swear. I know now what it means to care about somebody other than myself. When you're imprisoned by your shame, you are tied into being a first uh, mountain person. You're into reputation management. You're into sin management. You're trying to maintain this facade of your goodness and all the things you're doing right. And the people who are closest to you have no idea the depth of your brokenness and your struggle. What's the antidote? It's mercy. Uh, I love the way this song ends because he said, I used to say to people who were screwing up, just you getting what you deserve. Uh, now I care about what's happened to them and I can help them. Why? Because the shame has been lifted off. I mean, the stories that I'd love to tell you about my friend and his wife, how they fell back in love together, came about because he fell back in love with Jesus and what Jesus could do for him, and how Jesus could set him free. And oh my goodness, what a transformation. So let's move it back into the scriptures here. Uh, Jesus is telling uh, a parable of the Pharisee and the publican, uh, very familiar to most of us, uh, is the story of the man who's in the temple, kneeling down all the way back, at the almost the outside of the courts, he can't look up, but his prayer is, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And here's the Pharisee, the self-righteous person, the first mountain person looking over going, I thank you, I'm not like that person. I thank you that I don't do those kind of things. I thank you, I thank And again, just this elevation, this puffing oneself up 
but love builds up. And here is this man, because what he's appealing to, and again, if you've never studied this, it is so rich and so good. So you know, most of you know because you know our movies better than you know your Bible. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. So you know, you have the ark, here's the law of God, you open it up, you're toast, okay, because you're not supposed to look in there. But above the ark is the mercy seat of God. So above the law of God is the mercy seat of God. And the great news for us is we know who sits on that mercy seat? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus wants to come and help us and meet us from his mercy seat. We're going to sing here at the end, uh, Jesus, you know, it's you are my mercy seat. Thy mercy, my God, uh, is the strength of my song. And I encourage you, if you take this hymn home and just put it up somewhere where you can read it, look at it, put it over your sink while you're washing the dishes, put it, you know, someplace where you sit and study and read or by your bedside and just read over the lyrics. Thy mercy, my God, is the theme of my song. It is who I am. It defines me. Um, when you are really understanding mercy, you've let go of a lot of your need to prove yourself, justify yourself, excuse yourself, rationalize, minimize, justify why you are being so, so negative, so cynical, so critical, so mean. You're crying out to God and saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And that's where Jesus comes to show up and to show us his mercy. And that's where we back up uh, to uh, where Jesus says, you are blessed. And the idea is that when you begin to see your need for mercy, you know his joy for you in the midst of your struggle, not because of what you've done or had done to you, but because he wants to heal you. Now again, another operative word that's lost among many Christians who share the love of the Bible and the scriptures and our history and tradition. It's one thing to repent of your sins. It's another thing to be healed from your sins. Again, here's where shame comes in. So God says, you know, I've seen your ways, Isaiah 50, 18, and I will change you. He wants to change us, but that transformation begins with healing, restoring renewing, revitalizing, reforming, reshaping, so that I no longer live in the boatload of shame about the lie I tell myself. I live in the truth of what God has told me about myself, and I am so free. I'm Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas morning. Or to be more PC, I'm Eleanor Scrooge on Christmas morning. I am so free! You know, I am so set free by a God who would forgive me and love me, and give me hope for my future. You know, there's 62 days to Christmas, and I'm gonna sit right there and watch my favorite Christmas carol with Ebenezer Scrooge, with my favorite uh, Scrooge character, George C. Scott playing Scrooge. And there's so much, every year God takes that movie and he speaks to me deeply about how much I've been delivered from because I was Ebenezer Scrooge, I am Ebenezer Scrooge, I would be Ebenezer Scrooge apart from Christmas. Apart from Jesus coming to live in my story, in your story, and showing me again and again the power of his mercy. This invitation of joy leads to a life of 
being an insurrectionist for mercy. You see, mercy means you get down low. You get down with people not to punish them or to bring about stuff, but to resist the lies and the things that have happened in their story. And you're an insurrectionist when you're a part of the resistance. You're rebelling against the darkness. You're rebelling against the truth that we are hopeless and helpless and we are doomed to gloom, misery, and despair. It's someone who wants to bring the beauty of the gospel into somebody's life where it will cost you to identify with people who are hurting in our need. We don't run away from suffering. We run to it. We run to trying to help people. But if you want to understand how mercy is so powerful, it means you begin to identify with those that in our culture would be called lepers. Um, So a good friend of mine, his uh, wife, uh, they live in the Seattle area, and they were studying lepers and where are the lepers in our culture. And so she and a group of women said, the lepers in our culture are prostitutes. And they found out that part of Seattle where the women are, the street walkers. Uh, And uh, so on any given Saturday night there in Seattle, there are a group of Christian women who gather together to go and talk to these women who are out on the street. And stories of befriending them and loving them and showing them mercy and helping them leave that lifestyle. That's how radical mercy is. If you read Brooks's book, there are people in there who are definitely Christians, but all of them are a reflection of the mercy of God. St. Augustine, Augustine says that, you know, I can't look into the sun, but I can see where the light falls. And when you look at people in Second Mountain, or you look at other stories of people whose lives have become consumed by the mercy of Jesus, they, they have to engage. Uh, Brooks says they are relentless in their desire to go to people who are marginalized, less fortunate, broken in need, and in suffering to bring the touch, the rub, the movement of Jesus. And for many of us, our biggest cure is to get outside of ourselves, get outside of loving people who love us and living in a world where everything is kind of homogeneous and get outside of ourselves and identify with those who need the presence and the kindness of our God. And again, it all makes sense, doesn't it? That's what Jesus did for us. He came for us to set us free so that we would know that he is the ultimate insurrectionist. (laughs) He brought the rebellion. He brought the light. He brought the joy. He, he, the follows Jesus is to enter into a constant experience of how he disrupts everything that's wrong with the world. And either we can be with him in that disruption or we can be opposing him by not welcoming and wanting what he wants for people like us. So thank you, Jesus, that at the cross, You shamed my shame, your shame, so that we would not be ruled by the guilt of our sin or the shame of our sin, but we would be ruled by his mercy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the hope we share, but we thank you that we can pray, God, be merciful to me, the sinner, and know that you exalt yourself in showing us mercy. So to that end, Jesus, we are so grateful for your kindness 
that never ends. And with David, we can say, have mercy on me, O God. According to your great mercy, we pray. Amen.